For me, it's 8.53 p.m. on February 23rd, 2023. But for you, it's another episode of The Media Files, a podcast brought to you by RPGera.com. The Media Files is an all-purpose pop culture review to help you get through those boring water cooler conversations. I'm your host, Kyle, and with me in my ever-evolving second chair is the Marvel correspondent in the field, Sean. Welcome back to The Media Files. What's going on, everybody? How you doing, man? Good to have you. Hey, doing all right. You know, just working and doing what I got to do. Doing what you got to do, keeping up on the Marvel verse, playing the Hogwarts Legacy, and uh, yes. staying out of the. Stay, is it cold up there? It's, in the it's grand, very the grand cold. State of Washington. Yeah, it's it's very cold. My my Oscar Miners turned into a Vienna sausage. It's so cold Uh-oh. up here. Uh oh. <laughs> We're leaving that in. I'm not Brian. Don't cut that, man. <laughs> We, uh, it's, we, uh, it was snowing here earlier tonight, which is the third snow I've seen this year. And it's supposed to snow tomorrow and Saturday as well. And, yeah. uh, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 36. I've lived most, most of my life in Las Vegas. And I think for the first 32 years of my life, it snowed twice. And now it's snowed at least once every single year for the past five years. It's that global warming, man. Al Gore had it right, you know? Did he? I don't know about warming, but climate change. <laughs> <laughs> Something's different, man. Something's happening. It snows, it snows every single year now. So I don't know what happened. You left and it just got too cold. Too cold to hold. You know, too hot to handle, too cold to hold. That's a little shout out to Joe Bubby. He, I don't know if he listens or not, but if you're there, man, I, don't think he I does. love you, dog. You know what I'm saying? I miss you. <laughs> Come well, back to me, Joe. Suck it up. Pull it together. Because <laughs> this week on the Media Files, we are talking about Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is the newest film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the third film in the Ant-Man franchise. In trying to repair his relationship with his daughter, Scott Lang and friends get sucked into the Quantumverse, where a tyrannical overlord named King has conquered and where Janet Van Dyne has many years of history. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was released in the United States on February 17th, 2023, and stars Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catherine Newton, Jonathan Majors, and more. And it was directed by Peyton Reed, who I also believe directed the first two films. He sure did. You know, I was I was sitting in the movie theater. I saw this with Lindsay and with Dave and his family, friend of the podcast, Dave. Oh, and David. We, uh, he, he leans over to me at one point and he goes, you know, it's pretty strange that we live in a universe where there are three Ant-Man films. And I said, you know what? I was thinking the exact same thing. I couldn't believe when they announced Ant-Man. And then now there's been two sequels to Ant-Man. What a crazy, crazy world we live in where we have three major blockbuster Ant-Man motion pictures. And uh, here we are talking about the third movie in the Ant-Man franchise. You and I have not talked about this movie at all. I asked if you've seen it. You said yes. We planned this podcast. And so here we go, deep into the trenches. Sean, what are your overall thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? So, funny enough... The overwhelming thought that I have in my brain right now is I never realized that the 
the name Ant-Man is located within Quantum Mania. I didn't realize that until the end of the movie. Yeah. When they, when they <laughs> actually showed it. Yeah, when they showed that, I thought, well, that's the reason why they had the movie right there. Someone was like, hey, this, this fits. You know, it just That was works. actually brilliant. I can't believe I didn't notice that, but that was <laughs> a neat little work there by uh, whoever. What, extra help and a cake to the guy that figured that out. That was pretty rad. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, that was definitely someone like, you know, someone got stoned and was like, yeah. Yeah, man, you know, you know, Ant-Man fits into Quantum Mania, right? And they're like, no. Like, I just feel like there's no <laughs> other way so. someone would have noticed that unless they were Brian. Well, and they never, they never say Quantum Mania in the film. That's not a word that's ever used, nor is it a real word. So I think they probably figured out how to make that work somehow. You know, like somebody was like, wait a second, if we, if we push Quantum, you know, into into Quantum Mania, then you then you get Ant-Man. But anyway, it happened. Yeah, yeah. that's that's real. You know, that's that's what's important. Overall thoughts, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I feel like the first Ant Man I really loved, and apparently people weren't as on board with it as I was. Second one, I was like, all right, like it it felt like there was gonna be a big fight, and it never came. So there's like kind of a letdown. The third one, I felt like it was a big fight for half the movie. So I was kind of happy when you compare all three of them together. Like, oh, okay, they kind of flow together, all right, but. The truth is, man, the Ant-Man movie surprised me. I walked in thinking it was going to be a dumpster fire because most of what Marvel has put out recently isn't as good as it used to be, right? Um, kind of resting on their laurels a little bit. But I I took it for what it was, which was a nice little standalone story to introduce Kang, and boy, did it do that, and I was happy to meet him. You know what? Uh, you and I have similar thoughts on this one, and I didn't know where you were going to come down on this, but, <laughs> you know, the first Ant-Man, I think, is a really fun film. I don't think it's a perfect film, but I think that it is a sillier look at Marvel superheroes, which is okay. I think that's fun, right? I think sometimes we can take superheroes and have silly, goofy fun with them. This is a superhero named Ant-Man. He gets small. This is funny, right? And we can laugh at those things. And when you cast Paul Rudd, who is charisma personified, right? Yes, yes. that's That's a successful formula for me. And I really liked Ant-Man. Ant-Man and the Wasp, the second movie, I thought, I, I think it might be the most forgettable Marvel film to date. I can't remember almost anything that happens in that film besides David Dasmalshian saying Baba Yaga and, and like singing to himself. That's the only thing I remember <laughs> from that film. And that's it. Um, That film is entirely forgettable and, and has no place, I think, in the MCU entirely. And I'll probably never watch it again unless my kids want to one day. This movie, I walked in thinking, all right, you know what? Same thing. Marvel's output recently has really kind of let me down, but I'm going to watch it because it's Marvel. It's Paul Rudd. It's Michelle Pfeiffer, who's aging like a fine wine. And it's Jonathan Majors as Kang. And and at least for that, I'll go watch it. And I came out pleasantly surprised. This movie is goofy as the day is long. It is totally silly. It's not even really, I don't think it's particularly well made. The editing in this movie is all over the place. Scenes are chopped up real crazy. Yeah, I mean, you're getting whiplash going back and forth between certain characters here and there at different parts of the movie. And the CG 
is not perfect. There are some really goofy looking characters, some shoddy CG work from probably some poorly paid overworked artists in this movie. And I liked it. I, After, I, 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 mean, I could agree with that. By, by the time the movie <laughs> ends, I thought, wow, that was fun. I just watched a movie and I liked it, I think, you know? And and I when you think back on the Marvel movies of the past year, we've had Wakanda Forever, we've had Thor Love and Thunder, we've had Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Which was the best movie that's come out most recently, by the way. I, I think I like this one better. I think that this really? one's on top for me. Now, it's a it's a mixed bag, right? That I don't mean to say that this movie is great. I don't think it's great, but I do think it's good, and I think that Multiverse of Madness was pretty good. I think that <laughs> Love and Thunder was not good, and Wakanda Forever was pretty good. Maybe on the same of Multiverse of Madness, but this one, at least, by the time I left the theater, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. It got some real genuine laughs out of me that I really liked and like you said I you know it's weird for a third movie in a series to be build up and that's what this one was but I'm actually really glad to finally start to see some build up for an MCU future as well which I think is something we've been sorely lacking recently um, with with TV shows and movies is just a lack of build up and a lack of cohesion I could agree with that I think that the only thing holding the MCU together right now is probably Wong and Doctor Strange. They've had the most continuity amongst all the different characters and they've been they've been able to tie things together. And I think Wong especially with him appearing in She-Hulk and you know, I think uh the, the multiverse of madness really opened up the potential for a lot of characters to be in a movie that wasn't titled Avengers. So I I agree. You know, I, I'm, I'm there with you. I think this movie was a lot of fun, and that's what we've desperately needed because yeah. Wakanda Forever was just a big punch to the nuts. Yeah, it was it was a depressing film. It really was. I'm going to be honest, like, just getting on that real quick, the biggest star of that movie was still Chadwick Boseman, right? And the second biggest star of that movie was still Michael B. Jordan. So, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> if if you take those two out of that movie, that movie's not that good. And and I think Ant Man was a good, nice little comeback from that. Like I think Wakanda Forever was a was a love letter. And and so when you get Ant Man, when it's focused on humor, they're trying to l- lighten things up again and still lay the groundwork. And and I actually liked Ant Man and its conclusion, which we won't spoil on the podcast. If you want to find out, you got to go watch the movie, and it's yeah. worth it. By the by the way, I saw it in 3D, and I love loved it i thought that they did a good job with 3d interesting okay but getting back on here the conclusion of ant-man seems very like close the door lock it shut like we're good but then at the same time you're like you get halfway down the street and you're like did i turn the stove off it's kind right, of the feeling right. i had you know what i mean like uh, and then you don't want to turn around because you think you're crazy but then you're like oh should i it's like paranoia magnified and you know the stove's still on, right? Like, it's Marvel. Of course sure, something's sure. going to happen, right? Sure. But the feeling of walking out of the movie theater was like, oh, everything's everything's good, right? Like, we're good? So I really liked that part of the movie. It's definitely a thought-provoking film. And it makes you think, like, oh, where's this going to go? Because I'll tell you right now, the ending did not, I did not expect the ending. That's all I'll right. say about it. 
You know, we can talk on that for for just a moment as well, because everybody's well aware that King the Conqueror is the uh, villain of this film. And this is not the first time we've seen King, though it is the first time we've seen him in this form, right? We did uh, see He Who Remains, who was one of the versions of King at the end of Loki. And now uh, we get to see actual King the Conqueror proper in this film. Uh, And I think that it's a great, fantastic introduction to King the Conqueror as a villain, to his power right but more than that to the absolute presence that Jonathan Majors has on a screen uh absolutely and you are you are with Titans in this movie. You are with Michael Douglas. You are with Evangeline Lilly, who I don't even think is a great actor. But you're with Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> you are with. Yeah, I really don't. I'm sorry. Uh, but this Catherine guy, Newton's This good. guy said Titans, and then he freaking the second person. He's like, well, never mind about you that. Know, she's, not, she's not great. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer, however, Bill Murray, for heaven's sake, makes an appearance in this film. But Jonathan Major steps onto this set, and every scene he's in, he steals. Let's Let's talk about him and Michelle Pfeiffer sharing a scene. And boy, oh boy, was that a different movie than the rest of it. Boy, it's, it, well, it's phenomenal. You know, he has such an expressive face. You know, he does more acting with his eyebrows than most people can do with their body. And knowing that we're going to get not just him going forward in the MCU, but multiple versions of him, right? Different iterations of him, different personas from this one actor. I think is going to be an absolute treat. And I don't think they, I I really can't think of anybody they could have chosen better than Jonathan Majors. I think he's just peak performance here. This this isn't on our, this isn't on our agenda, but let me ask you this and and be honest with me. Who does a better job in the MCU of playing multiple different versions of the same character, Oscar Isaac or freaking Jonathan Majors? Because I feel like those two are killing it right now with this. And I don't know. I don't know. I I feel like John, I feel like Johnny took it. Yeah, it, you know, at least he matters in the MCU at this point. I was thinking about Moon Knight earlier today and about how that show came and went. Nobody's thought about it. Nobody's talked about it. And it hasn't been mentioned again in the MCU. And we may never see Moon Knight again. I hope so. I mean, they set it up for him to come back. He he well, needs I, to I'd be like to. at least a B-tier hero in one of the Avengers movies. He has to be. Well, and I, I you know what? I really would have liked to see one of those uh, Egyptian gods appear in the Court of Gods in uh, Thor Love and Thunder. That would have been a nice callback, except that didn't happen uh, so yeah it should have so at any rate at any rate i you know jonathan majors really really steals the show i'm actually really excited to watch creed 3 uh f- pretty much for him i know that michael b jordan is a standout actor as well but jonathan majors he has impressed me in literally everything he's done so far and i'm really really happy he's going to be our next big push going forward yeah and it's it's scary you know coming out of the first three phases of the mcu which were so cohesive so well tied together it's the biggest cinematic project ever done and it was fantastic right and then with phase four which just recently ended we had a really really sorry phase four that did not feel cohesive it felt very scatterbrained it felt very different and experimental which in some ways worked and in some ways did not and now i find feel like he's going to be our key to getting back on track and bringing the Marvel Cinematic Universe back into its kind of prestige. Yeah, I don't want to say prestige filmmaking because it's not. It's just superhero films. But what we loved about the first three phases of the MCU. No, absolutely. 
absolutely. I mean, when you talk about phase five, you're setting up a lot of new people to come in, right? I mean, we've we've talked about this before. This is nothing new. But now that we have an idea of what the blueprint is, you know, you got Guardians 3 coming up, the Marvels, a new Captain America movie, then Thunderbolts, then Blade. So this is, this is going to be a slow build, right? Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four. You know, you, you've got TV shows coming out on Disney+, Plus, Secret Invasion, the new Loki, What If's coming back, Ironheart, Echo, Agatha, right? The and list goes on and on slow, and on. They're, they're going to slow the production of these a little bit in order to kind of increase the quality, which I think is a good call as well. I believe that is perfect. I'm okay with waiting. Get it right. Because the truth is... My biggest complaint about the MCU thus far is I feel like they're just shoving stuff at us right. to try to introduce new characters, but really it's not really investing us. We're not we're not really caring about some of these. We're just watching them because it's Marvel and that's I guess a, a good way to get us to watch, but it's not going to keep me watching some of these shows, right? I feel like the Ant-Man movie was a good way to introduce a bunch of new loose threads to chase. And now there's explanations for it, right? We have the multiverse. We have, um, you know, in the Ant-Man movie, we have many different versions of the same person in the same time just because of the the uh, i forget what they call it in the film but the the potential different choices were all living right, in one right. moment right uh i'll leave it at that i mean that's not a secret that's in the trailer but it there's context there that you don't know i just feel like you're talking about multiple dimensions and then multiple realities within the same dimension we have scarlet witch is still out there like a lot of things can happen i also read recently that scarlet johansson signed on for for an additional three Marvel films. So there's going to be a lot of callbacks. There's going to be a lot of people coming back in for all of these different aspects that I'm talking about. So I like that because now I'm guessing, right? That's the only thing that's going to keep me invested at this point is what's going to happen next. It could go so many different ways. And I'm super excited to see how they incorporate further projects into this kind of like loose thread branches off of the off of the uh, fabric of time and, and stuff like that. So for me, the best part of Ant-Man Quantum Mania is the last two credit scenes. Oh, I thought you were going to say Modoc. Okay. No, so the Modoc, we'll talk we'll talk about Modoc. We'll but, talk about Modoc in a second. Go ahead. Okay, my point is like the entire movie, you think you know what's going to happen, right? And then within the last 20 minutes of sitting in the theater, you're like, "Wait, what the hell?" Like it's it's just really like you did not expect, right? And that's what I like about this MCU is throw me through a loop, make me guess, make me not understand what's gonna happen. Because for me, that's the only way I'm gonna be interested in these characters, right? I don't have history with a lot of these people that are introducing. There's a lot of B tier heroes, C tier heroes coming into play because they blew their load on all of the the first three phases with all the big heroes. Uh, they're, they're saving grace for this phase before we actually started it. We all thought it was Fantastic Four and X-Men and, 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 and Spider-Man, but he was already in it, right? So the fact that I'm caring about these stories and these characters after seeing how it's unfolding is promising to me. But if you but if you want to talk about MODOK, I mean, we could we could go into MODOK. Well, the mechanized organism designed only for killing MODOK. How did you feel about him being represented? Finally, what everybody, every Marvel fan has been waiting for. MODOK finally makes his big screen appearance. How do you feel about MODOK in this movie? Let me tell you something, dog. And I'm going to be real with you. I didn't like it. Okay. Okay. Um, to me, the this version of MODOK is is akin to how I saw the Green Goblin when Spider-Man 1 came out. Like, looks nothing like I expected from the comics. Number one. 
they they turned his suit and his story into something completely different and the thing that pisses me off the most about it is it works <laughs> and, and that's the part where i'm like are you serious like this is what we did with it like like the only thing that i could think of that's happened in recent memory is when they broke the fourth wall in she hulk and they kept talking about kevin and then it was a freaking robot like i wanted feige to be in the show they kept talking about kevin i was like all right let's get feige in the show let's really break the fourth wall and it's just it's a great way to go it was funny it was it was intriguing it was definitely weird which i think is the whole point of modok i just i don't know i i kind of i kind of wanted something different than the way they took it how did you feel about it you know what i actually really liked it i gotta be honest i uh <laughs> modok modok is goofy he's stupid he's a big flying head with tiny arms and tiny legs and um they made him into a total joke in this film, which yeah. I thought the only franchise that really could have worked in was probably Ant-Man. I think that Guardians has gotten a little too serious for its britches, right? And maybe it could have worked in Guardians originally, but Ant-Man, I think it's absolutely perfect for it, it because this movie is just silly. There's a lot of goofiness in this movie and Modoc fits perfectly with the tone of this film, at least 80% of the tone of this film, and uh, does nothing important the entire time, is just goofiness. And I thought that that was really, really fun. Uh, This is not the first time that Marvel has tried to bring MODOK in to the MCU. Keith David was originally going to play MODOK in The New Warriors when that show was greenlit and then canceled, which I'm still bummed about because Milana Vaintrip was going to play Squirrel Girl, and I was so excited for that. But uh, Keith David... I thought would have been a fantastic Modoc, but I'm also really happy that Corey Stoll, who played Yellow Jacket, probably the worst villain in MCU history, <laughs> actually gets a little redemption. Well, actually gets a little redemption. The worst villain turns into what is actually the worst villain, but it works better. And so that made me really happy for Corey Stoll, because I think he's an all right actor. And uh, you know what? It worked for me, man. Honestly, like the funniest part about him was his little butt. Oh, it's too funny man it's it, just it, it, you know what really, like, just... we started laughing in the theater it was really funny oh it's so funny it's so funny. <laughs> everything we talk about on the media files we do give a very stupid and utterly arbitrary rating to sean how do you arbitrarily rate ant-man and the wasp quantumania i'm gonna i'm gonna give this one uh six out of ten pin particles man Okay, man, you you know you beat me to it because I was going to give this six tenths of a nanometer, which probably that's not <laughs> that's not quantum size, but I don't know what's what's smaller than a nanometer, like a picometer. Uh, Is that smaller? I could, I could make some Dan jokes right now, but I really don't know. Yeah, was it? Oh, poor Dan. <laughs> he was on the podcast last week. Made his podcast re-debut after a year to talk about the Super Bowl, and he's already getting roasted on the media files hey, man. once again. When you get back on the horse, it's going to buck you sometimes, you know? That poor fella. Jeez, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's smaller than nanometers. Eight, eight, seven, six, Did you say nanometers or, or danometers? Danometers. That's smaller than a nan- Oh, that poor guy. <laughs> Most of the listeners of this show don't know Dan and don't know that we make fun of him for being short. Poor fella. He's not even that short either. That's he's the problem. Not. He's like He's like slightly below average height. Poor I really want to know. I want to know. No, he's going to be sitting in his room listening to some Limp Biscuit. Give me something to break after hearing this. And, and I'm sorry, Dan. I love you, man. The truth is I miss Dan. You know, what were we? What was somebody tagged him in something Limp Biscuit related the other day? It's because he looks like Fred Durst, just like a foot shorter. I don't know how, how tall is Fred Durst. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see what the Google has to say. Let's see what Google says about Fred Durst. 
How tall how, is Fred how tall Durst? Is Fred? Do you think Google knows how tall Fred Durst he's five, eight. is? He's 5'8". He's as tall as I am. He's 5'8". Okay, so he's a little taller than Dan, a few inches. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I got to be honest. I have no idea how tall Dan is. Everybody just makes fun of him for being short. What is he? I like think five, he's 4'9". Four? He's not 4'9". <laughs> <laughs> he is not 4'9". I don't know. He's like he slightly shoved, below he shoved average he height. He's justice. A, he's a couple <laughs> inches shy of average height. Jeez, poor Dan. Dan, if you're listening, bud, I'm sorry. You didn't have to. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve this He doesn't slander. deserve this. That's all the time we got for this week. I want, to, I want to thank Dan for sticking around to this end of this episode, just to hear him get slandered on publicly. Allegedly. End of this episode of the Media Files. <laughs> thank you again, Sean, for being here to do that. Hey, man, I love y'all, and I love Dan. I miss him. Sometimes I sit there and I hold my pillow real tight at night and just, just wish he'd come back into my life, but what are you going to do? The Media Files is provided by RPGera.com. Technical assistance is provided by Brian, and the producers are Jexac and Zanku. I'm on Instagram at Brewstop. That's at B-R-U-C-E-T-O-P-H, or at the RPG Era Discord with the link in the show description. Reach out to us with what you're looking forward to, and until next time, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. Okay, bye-bye! Yeah.